0: It's the
1: Ambiguously Blind podcast with your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes.
2: Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in and subscribing. And thanks for supporting our podcast. Please visit ambiguouslyblind.com for transcript, product links, and other ways to support the podcast. And if you know someone or something that we should be talking about, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me, john, at amblind.com. That's J-O-H-N at A-M-B-L-I-N-D That's how we found our guest for this episode, Chris Fears. He and his wife, Dallas, started a nonprofit organization several years ago called Fearless Hope, and it supports children and the families of children who are living with visual impairments. Chris will share with us the miraculous story of his daughter, Finley, and how that experience led them to start the organization and what they do to help others. Chris, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast.
0: It is my pleasure. I'm so very happy to be here with you guys today.
2: We have truly a tremendous and and quite remarkable story we wanna talk about with you about your daughter and what happened with her when she was born. Can you tell us about that?
0: Sure, absolutely. This is a a great story. It's It's a miracle story. Um, it starts off kind of, you know, a little bit sad. Um, we, uh, on March 2011, we were, um, expecting our second child and we had had a healthy child previously. So we had, you know, a full expectation to have another healthy child. Um, whenever she was born, she had the most beautiful blue eyes. It was the most beautiful blue eyes I'd ever seen. Um, having, you know, heard that babies have blue eyes, you know, when they're born, our son did have blue eyes, but it wasn't like this. Um, I just thought that she had extremely, you know, pretty unique eyes. And our pediatrician about a few hours later came to check her out just, you know, like they normally do. And he was taking a little bit longer than normal. I went down to check, you know, on things. And he said that, you know, unfortunately your daughter is blind. She's not getting any sight or any light in through her eyes, she's unresponsive to light. And um, what I believe is that she has glaucoma and that she'll need surgery immediately. And so, you know, this was a big shock, obviously to Dallas and I. We, you know, had had a healthy child previously. Um, So it was a shock. Uh, It was during spring break. So there were really no uh, doctors and surgeons that were around during that time period. Uh, But my wife insisted upon being discharged a couple days later. Uh, we were referred to Children's Medical Hospital in Dallas. Uh, just, so just a few days later, we were surrounded by some of the smartest and doctors and ophthalmologists, pediatric ophthalmologists in the world. Uh, we're very blessed to live here in Dallas that has access to those type of doctors. There's a lot of people that we help in the organization that don't live close to to places that have access to doctors. So we're very blessed for that, but we didn't realize that we were going to need that at that time. Um, But so three days later after Finley was born, we're surrounded by these unbelievable doctors that are all telling us that she needs to have surgery immediately. And the pressing point of it is that, you know, the longer that babies go without seeing your brain just assumes that you're not going to be able to see and it shuts off that part of your brain. And so the longer that it can go without getting sight, the more likely it is that you could lose sight permanently. And so, um, there was an urgency placed upon us to do that. And they also felt like that she had glaucoma at the time. So this was Finley. Our, Our daughter was a, a unique case. Um, they didn't really know what she had normally when children are born with a Vision challenge there's other systemic issues that are along with it um, there 's a lot of other you know diseases that are very you know can be very scary that do impact your vision and They were thinking that potentially that she had one of those, but they wouldn 't know for sure until they actually got in and did surgery. They knew that that there would have to be a cornea transplant um, bilateral cornea transplant on both eyes done um in order for her to get light in to be able to see so you think of like a cornea just to make sure that everybody kind of understands a cornea is like a windshield to your for your eye like like the windshield of a car for your eye so if it's foggy or if it's dirty right there's not any light getting in and you're not able to see out of it the same thing with your eye her corneas uh, were very cloudy and they were opaque, and so there was no light getting in, and so they knew they were going to have to do bilateral cornea transplants in order to give her sight, so they did that at six weeks old, and she was given sight for the first time, so she was able to see. It was the most amazing thing to be able to see, you know, a child that has never seen before see. She stayed awake all night. I mean, literally, like, she wouldn't stop looking and seeing. It was the most amazing thing. It was a miracle, and Very shortly thereafter, so that was, it was a miracle that she was able to see. We're very thankful for that. But because she was so young and was given bilateral cornea transplants, it caused closed angle glaucoma, which again, from helping a lot of these families that go through this, most times, like over 95% of the time, whenever you have a cornea transplant as a child, you develop glaucoma. It's just something that you develop as a child um, if you have cornea transplants. It's a very high likelihood that that'll happen. And so she developed glaucoma in both eyes, and she, that is a very dangerous and progressive disease. Um, it's something that generally happens in older individuals, and they generally only have like a 10 to maximum 15-year time period that they're trying to keep this person seeing because they're generally an older individual. Well, with a child, it's something that you're, it's a very progressive disease that you have to try to keep the pressure because glaucoma, what happens in glaucoma is the pressure in your eye um, goes up, right? And so once it gets too high, it starts impacting and hurting your optic nerve. And your optic nerve is what actually allows you to see. So it's the most important really part of your eye. And glaucoma impacts your optic nerve. And once your optic nerve dies, there's nothing that you can really do about it. So it's, it would be total and complete blindness at that point. So glaucoma is a very scary thing. And it's especially scary whenever you have it in an infant, because you have a long time to maintain that. And so in the attempt to bring pressures down in both of her eyes, we did, um, her right eye was the worst. We did um, surgery on her right eye to relieve pressure. And unfortunately, that surgery did not take. And so we ended up losing her right eye after several surgeries, trying to save it, 10 surgeries. Finley's had 22 surgeries up until this point. She's nine years old. She had 20. Nine, I'm sorry, 19 of those in her first three years of life. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's the first three years was very difficult. Um, but we ended up losing her right eye. And then her left eye developed glaucoma as well. We knew that it had glaucoma, but it started to kind of, progress some and so we knew that at that point we were down to you know her her only eye right and it was developing glaucoma and really the only procedure to maintain that pressure was the same procedure that we lost her right eye over it's called a treblectomy and what that is is it's a tube that they insert into the eye that relieves the pressure in the eye so it drains the your eye so but it is a very risky surgery on a child, um, on adults and everything. They generally do very well on infants and on children, especially infants, but on children, their immune system is so acute that they reject almost everything that comes in. And so it's very difficult to do these type of things. And that's why, you know, we ended up, we lost her right eye and it was so risky with her left eye. And so, and this was, you know, she was, uh, four years old, you know, or I'm sorry, four years old at this time, that were, you know, having to really deal with her left eye. And um that was the the time that we that we were I'm sorry, let me just step back. So um so that was the time that we uh were dealing so it was she was around four I'm sorry. She was around four years old during that time period. She'd already had 19 surgeries and we were Forced to deal with her pressure, so her pressure was at a point that we needed to do a surgery, to do a treblelectomy, to insert a tube in order to relieve the pressure. We ended up we did a lot of research. We again we were in Dallas, surrounded by the best ophthalmologists, but the very best pediatric glaucoma ophthalmologists in the world, um, and at least during that time period was Dr. Sharon Friedman out of Duke University, and so we you know, got in contact with her, sent her Finley's case. She was very confident that she would be able to help, right? And so she she felt like a tribolectomy was the best thing to do. Um, she inserted the tribolectomy. And during that time period of the tribolectomy, during the, the three days after surgery, her pressure skyrocketed. And so we thought that it did not take um, – and but it actually did take. It took a, a few days and it started to drain. Um, the pressure went down in her eye, and it's been maintained at around at, at a at a safe pressure for her, which is around 19. Um, could be high for other people, but that's good for her. Around 19 for the past four years now. So we're going on our fourth year without without surgery. So praise God, that is taken, and um she's she's doing very well we do still have to deal with her cornea. Um, we've replaced her cornea twice. And as of right now, her cornea is a little bit starting to get a little bit hazy, which is expected. This should be her last cornea. Um, God willing with children. Again, the later they, they, the older, they are the longer and the less likely the cornea is to reject. And, we're thinking and we're very confident actually that now she's past an age that the cornea should take and could conceivably, you know, be forever. It could last, you know, for the rest of her life. Um, Cause corneas generally do last a very long time. So if we do have to do another surgery to, you know, to replace her cornea, we feel like that she's in a good position that that could be the last surgery that she needs for, you know, hopefully forever.
2: Yeah. Let's hope so. That's, that's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I know.
0: That was a lot. Um, it was a lot of information.
1: So if the pressure in her eye goes up again, can she have another surgery to fix that or is that? Yes.
0: She, okay, Yes, yeah, she could. So there's, okay. there's a couple other options that we could do. So if pressure starts to go up, there is another spot in her eye on the inside of her eye that we could put another tube. Um, it, And we, you know, we left that part open specifically for that. So if pressure did start to go up, we could do another tube. But they can also do um, something that it stops the eye from making so much Liquid, and I, I, and I, I can't remember exactly what the term is. I should know it, but I can't remember what it is. But there's another procedure they can do to basically kind of turn. If it's if you think of an eye as a faucet, they can kind of turn down the faucet a little bit to create less fluid, which would then lower the pressure some. But that's permanent, and it's kind of not that a tube isn't permanent, but you can't turn it back on once you do it. So it's it's you don't want to do that. That's kind of the last, you know. You know, the, the the last thing that you would try to do. The main thing and with it is that we monitor her pressure daily. So we have a it's a IOP gauge. It's called an eye care. Um they're very expensive pieces of equipment, but it allows us to measure her eye pressure daily. And um, so that way I we know where she's at. And if it starts to to go up, we can catch it before it gets advanced. And that really is preventative and in, in, in really anything in medicine, obviously preventative is, is, you know, the smart way to go. And if the, the sooner you can catch glaucoma and really any medical issue, the better off that you are.
1: Right.
2: Is that a pretty innovative procedure to do daily with her?
0: Yeah. It's, um, if you've ever had it done, it's, it's little, it's like air pressure that goes up against your eye. It's, mm-hmm. it's. Putting like little like shoots little air yeah. right, and it's um it's it's not invasive for her. she doesn't like it you know she doesn't love it but she's gotten used to it yeah but well
1: I don't like it do. either yeah
2: Aaron <laughs> doesn't like it either they pretty much have to strap her to the the chair and wrap her head around the the <laughs> thing to keep her to well it her. just
1: startles me every I mean I know it that it's startling. coming and then I just literally I mean I jump out of the seat every single time so so how often do you oh, you said daily
0: yeah yeah oh, we do gosh. and just you know we don't do it every day, but we have it so that we can we can monitor it any anytime that we want to so we 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 do take it you know at least two to three times a week so that we're monitoring her pressure, but sometimes you know her pressure can start to kind of go up a little bit, and then yes, we'll take it even twice a day or you know two to three times a day just to monitor it
1: if you do take it and you see that the pressure is going up what do you do eye drops or
0: Noelle, so she's on 20 eye drops a day, which is a whole other topic. And another reason why we started Fearless Hope is that in order for Finley just to maintain her sight in her eye, she has to take 20 drops a day. So she has 20 eye drops, that different eye drops that she has to take in a day. And it is they're all very expensive eye drops you know they're not you know they're not the generic version of of a medicine you know they're the they're the preservative free you know right. very specific medicines you know the grade a or you know on the prescription chart so um they're very expensive and 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 it takes you know a lot of time and there are very strong medications that we're giving to children, you know, I mean, so it's a child that's taking really strong medications in order to see. Um, So it's really, and, and these, you know, unfortunately the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies don't realize, or they don't really, you know, I I don't want to say they don't care, but they don't emphasize that these are children that they're prescribing these drugs to. And these, these are, Drugs that they, ha- they have to take for the rest of their life in order to see. And so if it costs them, and this is just for us, but on average in our organization, the people that we help that are on prescription drugs um, in order to see, to maintain glaucoma pressures are paying between 500 and and $1,000 a month. Oh, and that's with, that's with good insurance. Okay. So it's something that, that is really a major problem. Because there's five thousand kids that are born every year with severe eye challenges, and of those over fifty percent of them develop glaucoma because of eye surgeries that they have, so all you know there's a large percentage of people every year that are dealing with this, and it's it can be debilitating to families oh, yeah. if they don't get help
1: definitely, yeah, I've had friends whose kids have. They've battled cancer and different things, and they f- are fighting the insurance constantly because, or because the medication's not covered, and parents should not have to worry about having to pay for those medications for their children.
0: Well, it, it, you know, it's easy to pay for them, but you can't make things to where it's between $500 yeah. and $1,000 a month. Right. That is that is ongoing. You know, everybody, you're, it's okay to pay for it, but it's not right to, to extort these families, yes. you know? Yes. And so, and that really is what happened and, and what we've done. So instead of complaining about it, right. So after three years, so Finley was born in 2011, in 2014, we started Fearless Hope um, because we started to realize, and so we started developing a community because what we realized is that there wasn't any resources that were out there. There wasn't, you know, a website that you could go to that could help you with, you know, dealing with a child that was born blind or, you know, with extreme visual challenges. So we we didn't know that it was going to be prescription costs that were going to cost this much. You know, we didn't realize that every doctor that you were going to was going to, you know, want to do a surgery, you know, to fix it. And, and that they would, you know, not intentionally, but they would take away the hope that you have for your child, right? You're going there and you're looking for hope and they're telling you everything that they're not going to be able to do, right? You're never going to be able to drive. They're never going to be able to, you know, to walk without hitting walls. I mean, we've had every story, you know, told to us besides the stories of what God's promises are for our kids. I mean, there's a lot of hope that every parent needs to have in their child. It's amazing what these children are going to do in their lives just because they're not able to see is not, you know, they're, they're still going to be very highly productive, successful people in their lives and they have a lot to look forward to. So there's, um, but there's, that is lost (laughs) when you're, dealing with your newborn child that is blind and you're taking them to the doctor to get help. They're telling you everything that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, you know, that was the, the real reason behind fearless hope is that we wanted to make sure that everybody realized that there is hope for your child, that God does have promises that he will keep for your children. And, and there's, you know, a very good life to look forward to. Um, that can easily be forgotten, especially in the dark days at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The beginning is the hardest part. And and then you start seeing the smile. Like your kid starts reacting just like every newborn. You know, they start growing up and reacting and smiling at you and laughing. And you're all, you realize that, you know, what a blessing they are. But in the beginning, when everyone's telling you, you know, that they're blind and that's all you can think about is whether, you know, their 16th birthday. <laughs> I can remember that was the only thing that I could think of. Is that my daughter's not gonna be able to drive and she's like two days old. Yeah. You know, and you know, and so it's I, I you know that that was the real reason behind Fearless Hope is to you know let families know that it, there's it's gonna be okay. And then we started to realize though that there's so many other needs. I mean, there's really there's insurance issues, there's so many eye issues that aren't covered by insurance. So, I mean, we found so many families that were dealing with things because insurance weren't covered. So, you know, and not that we were experts on insurance, but we knew there had to be an avenue for this, right? There had to be some way that these people can figure out how to take care of their children. So we just started researching and helping people and and it we developed kind of a a plan, right? For kind of people of what to expect, you know, and um and it's really grown into a community that is, you know, really helps people and it helps each other, you know, get through this very very windy, challenging road that you have of raising a child born with special needs and visual special needs.
2: Yeah. Do you know what the condition was for her at birth? Does it have a name? Yeah, it,
0: it, no, there wasn't one. So that's the thing. Is Finley is an anomaly and they still say that she's an anomaly. She only had cloudy corneas. So she had cloudy corneas. That was it every other part of her was, was perfectly normal. Um, she's, she's a short statured girl. Like she's small, like she's probably going to be like five foot to five one, but that's the only thing, you know what I mean? That's even, yeah, she's totally normal in every way. So it was, uh, and it, it really surprised doctors. And that was, again, I know I keep saying why we started here. So, but it was because we had so many doctors determined okay, to do a surgery because they felt like that she had certain things. Like Peter's anomaly was what they felt like that she had because she was a a small baby and she had small features. She was just very small. And so they felt like that she had Peter's anomaly. And so they wanted to treat that before they ever really knew. And not that they had bad intentions. It was just that we realized that, my goodness, people need to be advised to slow down a little bit, you know what I mean? To take, cause that's a big deal to be misdiagnosed is a big deal, you know? And is, so yeah. we just felt like that people needed to be reminded that you are the parent, <laughs> you know, you are the parent and you need to be your advocate for your kid because, you know, if you're not, there's no, you know, it's just, it's a scary thing. You know, you need to be your advocate and be educated on the situation. So
2: how did you guys slow that down in the heat of the moment there.
0: Yeah. See that we did it. See, that's the thing. And on her right eye, the eye that we lost, they were very, they were very, and again, I'm not saying this as a, as a dig toward the doctors because they're doing their job and, and we need them to do their job. Right. But they, they wanted to do a surgery. They felt like that another surgery would help. And they were always, and again, this was our first time going, you know, we'd never been through this before. We didn't really have any advice. So, we were listening to what exactly what the doctor said. So if the doctor said we needed to do a surgery because we think that this is going to help, we were like, okay, you know, we, you know, not that we were, we knew that that was the right answer, but we trusted that that was the right answer. And all we're saying now is to step back, give things time. I mean, the, the verse that kept was given to us and it keep come it keeps coming to us is to wait on the Lord. Yes. Wait on the Lord be courageous, wait on the Lord. And so it's, it's amazing how it's just, you know, God's timing is perfect. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, he was, you know, making it perfect like that, but it was, if you just wait, step back, even get another opinion, you know, it's amazing the clarity that can come from that, but it's very easy as a parent to get caught up in the moment because, there's an urgency to it. You know, it's like, if you don't do it, they might not be able to see. And so it's important to realize that, you know, a day is not going to make that difference. You know what I mean? You can step back out of it,
1: but that's hard when you're in the moment and you just, you have this, you know, week old baby or however, however old, and it, you just, you want to fix it as a parent you just want to wrap your arms around that child and protect them. And so when you're in that moment, I can't even, like you said, you are trusting if a doctor is telling you this, I would be the same way. I'd be like, okay, we're doing it. Let's go. Because you just, you want to fix it.
0: That's right. And oh my goodness, as a dad and to, and you know, it's, it's like, it's in our nature to want to fix things. (laughs) And whenever I can remember, whenever we were first, Uh, found out about Finley, I literally researched everything there was to know about, about, you know, eyes and about, I mean, I literally was trying to become an ophthalmologist and, 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 you know, and and trying to fix it myself. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that there's a, there's a real, there's a, there's a, there's a a trap there (laughs) that you want to try to avoid because, um, you need to give it over to God is what you have to do. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being educated. Obviously you have to be your child's advocate, but um, you, you're not going to be able to fix it and you have to give it to God and you have to realize that he loves your child more than you do. And it's a really hard thing to do, but I think that it's possible. I really do. I think it's possible if you can be reminded about it, if you can be reminded about it during these hard times that look, god's got this. I know that it's really hard for you to understand it right now, yeah. but you know two years from now you're going it your your daughter or your son's going to be laughing at you like they're going the promises that God has for your children are still there they're still going to happen right. and so it's a it's a very difficult thing to do, but you know it's a i I really believe that you know we get more out of this our family we get more out of helping people than the people we help I mean I really believe that that there's something to helping people, you know, that just fills your soul.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, let's talk a little bit about Fearless Hope then. So how many families have you touched or what? what is it you get? What, what's your mission? What do you guys do?
0: Yeah. So um, really is to provide hope in spite of all visual challenges is, is what our mission statement is. We have been blessed since 2014 to help a hundred and 97, maybe 98, 97 families um, since 2014.
2: That's incredible. Um, we have,
0: it's, it's really been, it's, it's been amazing how, we didn't realize how many children there were that were born every year. We didn't know the actual numbers whenever we started this, but the actual numbers are over 5,000 that are born every year in the United States with extreme visual challenges. And all of them, really need a lot of help i mean you know because there's a lot of them are first-time parents a lot of them don't have the means to actually go to the to the right you know the best doctors in the world to get care and they and a lot of times are really haven't even been to the doctor yet um what we're finding out and so it's really to bring awareness that there is you know medical care that can come that, that we actually that can be provided um, and that there's there's hope beyond their circumstance. Um, what there, there there's a lot of families that we come across that really that that don't know Jesus really. <laughs> that don't know that there is hope beyond their circumstance. That are very dark. Okay, it's a very dark time for them right now because their child is born. They don't generally, you know, a lot of times don't have the means to to really help them. And they're born blind. The doctors are saying they're, they're not going to be able to see. And so being able to walk these families through, direct them to the right medical care, uh, but also direct them spiritually that, you know, most families over 84% of families that have a child with special needs, get a divorce or don't make it. And that is obviously not the best scenario for the child. Right. And so it's just, it's, it's making the situation even worse. And so what our mission is, is to really show that God is the great position and that if you can center your family around God and realize that God loves your children more than what you do, that there is hope in these situations. Um, And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, It's a hard thing to realize, but that's really what we're here for. And, and then we're here to provide, you know, financial, support where is needed and um, resources where is needed to, to direct people to doctors and to insurance specialists.
2: How do you find the families or how do they find you?
0: Really through our medical community. We've been, you know, I, I would say blessed to be, you know, around some of the best doctors, um, but not, not for, you know, we didn't love it because you know it was Finley, but we were blessed to be around the, the, some of the best doctors that see, you know, a lot of these families. So, To answer your question, I mean, a lot of our medical community uh, sends us referrals.
2: And that's all over the uh, United States, or do you have worldwide reach, too? uh,
0: We do not have worldwide reach, uh, yet we do have some families that have been referred to us that are in Europe. We have not, I mean, we've helped them, but we don't have a network, you know, that's actually there. The medical community is a lot different in in Europe than it is in the United States. Um, So we haven't really received, you know, a whole lot of support from the medical community, overseas but we haven't really tried you know yet um the medical community in the united states has been extremely extremely um welcoming to us there really is not uh, there's not an organization that's really you know like us that you know helps families from you know the time of birth all the way through you know forever (laughs) you know raising their child so um you know the medical community sends us a lot of our referrals you know we do get referrals from other friends because it's amazing that, you know, when you have a child with special needs, how you, you know, are, you generally surround yourself with, you know, you make friends with other families that have children with special needs as well. So we do get referrals from other families and um, it's really, it's, it's, it's shocked us and it's been a huge blessing and how quickly it's grown and how, you know, the reach that it's, that Fearless Hope has gotten over the past, you know, five years.
2: I'm sure there's been some really dark times for Finley um, through the years. But it sounds to me like she takes it takes it in stride, and that's uh, one of the great things about about being a child, isn't it?
0: So resilient, uh, and and it's like you know I I was reading about about your story, and and I do you know not to speak to you know what you felt, but I'm sure you know having experienced sight and then to lose sight is a different experience than to never have had sight, right? And so it's you know, Finley has been able to adapt because she doesn't know any different. Um, she, you know, like if I were to lose an eye and had to deal with the depth perception issues that that would have with only using one eye, I would struggle with that a lot. And, you know, Finley was able to adapt from a very early age. I've listened to a lot of your, your shows and, um, you know, you mentioned how it's it's, it's difficult or it's, you know, it's ambiguously blind. It's a great name. It's (laughs) that, you know, it's difficult to explain, you know, how you see or, you know, how blind am I? Right. You know, how, how well do you see? And it's amazing how how Finley is, you know, she's 20, she's 2150 and it really does range because she has corny issues, but, uh, and you would never know it sometimes if you didn't tell, you know, if I didn't tell you that she wasn't able to see, she, she's able to adapt in mean, really every scenario except really low light that you wouldn't even know that she was blind. But then in other scenarios, like it's obvious, you know what I mean? She can't see at all. And um, it's just really, it's it's a really interesting it's hard being a parent of a child like that because you know, I want to fix everything. I want to, I want to protect her, but she learns that way. I mean, she's just such a tough girl and, and is able to adapt to things. And I think she learns through, Kind of failure and trial and error and and it's just determined it's an amazing determination and it's not just her it really is all of the kids that we helped That there's a level of, of determination that is really above other kids <laughs> you know above uh, it's a special gift that they've been given you know
2: yeah and that that's uh, you mentioned the ambiguously blind thing and it's true it, vision is really difficult to describe and you know, we could have an in-person interaction, and you you really wouldn't know. My vision's twenty, uh, about twenty-two, twenty-three hundred usually, and that's that's not good, uh, not not good enough to drive. And I'm in one eye as well. Uh, my left eye is my usable vision. My right eye is zero, and even even with the the limited vision, and and it's even limited in the left eye because it's not it's not a full range of vision or a full field of vision either. So, it's really difficult to describe to people the limits of what I can and can't see. And oftentimes I'll interact with people just for a few minutes, a very Mm -hmm. short interaction where I need more time to just describe my vision to you than the conversation that we would have normally anyway. So it's tough to, it's tough to talk about because there's such a spectrum. So many people are are different as well. Nobody, I don't know that I've met anybody that, that sees like I do and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Makes me, makes me pretty unique, I guess, but it's challenging uh, it's challenging for sure and something else i think that that's a little bit uh, that i have in common with finley as well is that my optic nerves were damaged um with the bacterial meningitis uh the pressure in my um in my head my skull cut off the circulation to the optic nerves and as you exactly described them um i call them the hdmi cables um <laughs> for the eyes you know so you've got your eye as the television um or and, and then your brain and the, the cable that connects your eyes with your brain is the is the, is the HDMI cable there that, that transfers the signal from one to the other. And once that's damaged, it does not regenerate.
0: Yes, that is the most important part of the eye. Do you guys want to talk to Finley?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Is she available? Yes, she is.
1: Hi. Hi, Finley. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. My name is Aaron.
2: And I'm John. Nice
1: to meet you. Nice to meet you guys. So you're nine years old, Finley? Yes, I am. About to be <gasps> About to, Yeah, your birthday is March 15th? 15th. Yes, how'd you know that? Well, be, well your dad has been talking
2: to your dad about you a lot.
1: But we have a daughter, and her birthday is March the 16th. Wow. Uh, yeah. But she's going to be turning six.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well,
1: she can play with my sister. Her name's Faith. She's and, five. And she's... Oh, Okay. Good to know. So what grade are you in? I'm
0: supposed to
1: be in fourth. You're in fourth? Third. You're in third. Yes. Well, I used to teach third grade. I'm homeschooled, though. Yes, that's what your dad said.
2: So who's your teacher, your mom (laughs) or your dad?
1: Both. Both.
2: Which one's better?
1: (laughs) I can't say. (laughs) Good answer. You are good at this, Finley. Your dad says you're really good at talking to people.
0: Thank you. He said the right answer,
1: <laughs> so we've been talking to your dad about your vision. Yes, and I had a question that just popped into my head because my husband is visually impaired, and he uses different devices and things to help him see things okay. better. So what are some devices? um or technology things that you use to help with your vision or do you use those things i
0: i don't i do but it's it's on my ipad so i'll i'll like take a picture of something and then i can zoom in and zoom out on all kinds of stuff
2: gotcha yeah i might use that technique as well
0: so i'll i'll kind of snap a picture and then i'll zoom in on whatever i need to read and then i'll read
1: it so you do that like if you're reading a book or do you do you do all no, audio books?
0: No. I just, I normally get books on my iPad and I'll get them to where I can just zoom in
1: whenever I need to. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'll do normally. Very cool. So do you, and you
0: then do I also al- do auditory?
1: Yes. So do you do a lot of things on the iPad? Mostly, yeah, because I can't really
0: read on tight ty- on a paper or anything unless it's like really dark a color and also really big yeah so normally i'll just get on my ipad and read stuff
1: okay so what about writing do you do like if you're doing writing for school do you do that on the ipad or do you no no i write on a paper Pen- yeah pencil and paper
2: it was really great to uh, visit with you finley hope to talk talk to you again soon there's a, that she's 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 great she's wow.
1: good she has got a good personality <laughs> she
0: really does and honestly like i i want to talk to you john about like i i really want to get her into doing something like this and she's very talented at it. i mean i'm not just saying it But my, my other kids are not okay so <laughs> just so you know like I, i'm very honest i'm not just saying this about You know that she's good and she's not. She really is. She has a talent for it, and I'd love to kind of direct her that way. You know,
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that.
0: Yeah, if you have any advice on anything, I would love to you know talk to you about that.
2: Oh, I've got advice. I don't know if it's any good or not, but I'll (laughs) I'll certainly (laughs) certainly give it to you. But let's get back to what what you guys are doing for other people. So, Fearless Hope. What's the best way to get in touch with Fearless Hope?
0: fearless hope you can uh go to our website uh fearlesshope.org and there is a way to there's a phone number that you can contact our executive director there's an email directly to me uh, christopher.fears at fearlesshope.org and again fearlesshope.org we normally have um a in-person gala and we have a family fun day is the way that we raise money okay so we usually have two events per year our gala is our number one fundraising event, but because of COVID and everything else, we were we've been unable to get together in person. We did do a a virtual gala, um, w- which went over phenomenally. Um, but we are having—I want to make sure everybody knows—is March Madness is a huge thing here, and uh, we are having a March Madness event. So if you are a basketball fan, you can pick a bracket, pick your favorite team, and there is you can have a, an unlimited number of brackets. Um, you register at fearlesshope.org. You pick your teams. The teams will be, if you guys are familiar with March Madness, the teams will be selected on March 14th. It's Selection Sunday. And you can obviously buy a bracket before that, but the teams will be selected so that you can select your teams um, the first game is March 18th, so make sure you have your team selected by that point. But that is our main fundraiser this year because of the COVID restrictions that we've had. Um, we are having our main fundra- fundraiser is March Madness. It's thousand dollars for the first prize. So this is not just a you know charity event that you're just giving us the money. We are actually, this is a, a very large event that we're going to have a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth place prizes. First place is $1,000. Second place is $750. 3rd place is 500 And then it gets less after that. I can't remember exactly what it is. But, um, but the first three um, is, you know, some nice prizes for March Madness. A lot of people participate um, anyway, you know, pick a bracket anyway. This is a way to support Fearless Hope and uh, kids battling – um, severe visual challenges and also, um, support your favorite basketball team.
2: Yeah. It sounds like I need to hone my skills and uh, I got to pull for my red Raiders. Who are you pulling for? Uh,
0: well, I, yeah. Um, I, you know, Gonzaga is probably going to be, they're the best team in the nation this year, I think. So I think they're going to win, but I'm a Duke fan. I really am. I've, I've always been a Duke fan ever since Christian Laettner back in the nineties. And, um, so I'm a Duke fan, but they're not very good this year. So I don't think they're they're gonna make it.
1: The Aggies are they in this? <laughs> um, unfortunately, no. The I mean, I don't. They only let the
2: the better teams be. in the tournament oh, each year. Man. It's not everybody.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the Aggies are. I, I love the Aggies. My, my father-in-law actually played football for Gene Stallings in '69. So it's like huh? our whole family is by default Aggie fans. Yeah. Right. So yes,
2: you are. This family is by default Aggie fans too. <laughs> it's just kind of how the how the Kool-Aid keeps getting getting made over the years so
0: that's right hey it's a great school
2: and we can probably find you guys on facebook instagram twitter all those kind of places too
0: that is correct facebook instagram twitter um yes you can and would would love support guys there's again a lot of kids five thousand kids per year born with severe visual challenges and and those families need help
2: awesome chris well thanks a bunch for everything you're doing and uh i guess we'll see you at uh, March Madness.
0: All right. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate everything you guys are doing. You have a great show.
1: Well, and what a blessing y'all are to helping all these families. Y'all are doing a great job there. Oh,
0: well, thank you. It's it's truly our blessing. It's the blessings all ours.
1: Yeah. Well, it was nice talking to you.
0: It was very nice talking to you guys, too. You guys be blessed. Take care.
1: for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.